From the Vegas Golden Knights, this is SLGND, presented by Allegiant. I'm Justin Russo. Husband, father, mentor, and of course, coach. All words that apply to Golden Knights head coach, Bruce Cassidy. As the team enters the playoff push, Bruce catches up with the guys on SLGND to talk about the final portion of the season, how he balances his many roles both on and off the ice, and some of the books, shows, and music he's been consuming in his spare time. The guys then review the conversation with Bruce and take a look ahead at what the VGK need to do to set themselves up for another Stanley Cup championship run. But first, here's Golden Knights head coach Bruce Cassidy with Dave, Shane, Dan, and Gary. And happy to be joined by the head coach of the Golden Knights here on SLGND, Bruce Cassidy. Bruce, it's been a... A little bit of a strange schedule for you guys lately. Uh, we're going to get to some off-ice things, but this time away in terms of limited games, good thing, bad thing, where do you fall on at this time of the year? Is it needed? Well, I think it's situational. Um, if you're running hot, you want to play every night, right? Yeah. Uh, and you're healthy. And uh, if you're not going as well as you'd like, maybe you need the practice time. If your room is dealing with some injuries or illness, Sometimes having a little time off isn't bad, even though we just came out of a break. For us, the illness, I think, is through the room now, which is a good thing. Hopefully we're coming out of it and, and ready to go. Some of our players that have been out of the lineup are back skating, not necessarily all with the team, but in the mix, so that's a good thing. It always brings uh, good energy to the group when you see guys getting closer. Um, so for us, I don't mind the break right now. Um the way we're playing is okay. I thought we were playing better going into the break and then came out, beat Edmonton. I thought that was a lot of, you know, Aiden's game. But we're starting to get to our game a little bit. Then Minnesota was a hiccup where we went backwards. So now we need the practice time. So for us, we're still sorting through stuff. And, and in that, with the practice, what, what things are you pinpointing maybe you needed to work on here this week? Our rush uh, game against numbers have gone significantly backwards from where we were last year and the start of this year. So... I look at that as, uh, and it was a big strength of our team. So that to me is puck management first. Um, we're giving teams easy chances. We saw that with some of the goals we've given up, Edmonton, Detroit. Um, and then I find it's um, our, our, our high forward and our D not being as connected as, as they can be to deny uh, teams getting the blue line as well. So that is a D will have a good, you know, this is, they'll have a good gap if they trust the forwards to reload and be in a good spot for them, right? Then they'll have confidence to stay up. And so that's that's the piece we got to tie together, which the puck management is not practicing anything. It's it's between your ears as a player, make a good decision, right? That's hard to practice. Um, we can do drills where we force players to chip or there's nowhere to go. But in the game, they have to make that decision. The structure piece, you know, the high four and the D gap, we can fix that as coaches. That's part of structure, and that's on us to make sure we teach it properly. So that that's where the two are, are going to come together in the second half. And if we don't get better on that, then I then I think our team will will be, you know, average. You know, if we get better at that, I think we'll be a much better team. It brings, I just have a follow-up because when I watch the games, and maybe it's a old school me, you talk about the puck management. And, guys, where do you balance the trying to make a play versus, you know, sometimes I'm like, why do they try that? But, I, you know, they're, they're skilled players. How do you balance that out with guys when they are trying to make a play versus maybe just make the simple play? Well, that's the – every coach goes through, and it's why some last a little longer in places because <laughs> yeah. they find a way to get their message across that this is where we need to be less risk. Yeah. Um, some players you have to coach differently. Maybe a Mark Stone who has the ability to hold it the extra yeah. second and typically makes that play more time than he doesn't than maybe another player we have to say, listen, that's not your game. You can't play that way. And then when they don't do it, it's okay. How do you hold them accountable? So that, that there's a lot that goes into it just in a simple fact of you can do it, you can't. Um, <clears throat> and that's maybe how you construct your lines as well. Maybe a guy, okay, he's making plays all the time. i got to put him on a four-check line. A, a line that will carry or says, hey, dump it in my corner every time. So maybe that gets it out of his system. That he's not trying to make a play. So there's, a little, there's you know, variety of ways you can do it. At the end of the day, the player has to buy into it, right? Yeah. The teams that turn the puck over all night, those are shootouts, right? And then in this league, uh, you know, eventually that it doesn't end well if you're, if you're that type of team, I think, in the long run. You were able to get your team to play the way you wanted them to play last year and you won the Stanley Cup. And we asked you at the start of the year, 
How do you repeat? What's well, going to be hard? You said you didn't know because you'd never done it before. Now you're right in the thick of it. What what has been more difficult for you based on the situation of that you're coaching a Stanley Cup champion team than a team last year when you were able to get their attention because they'd never won before? Understanding that it's not a switch you can flip on and off, I think, is the challenge f- for our staff this year. Okay, we got to get to our game. Do we need to be at our game right away in October, November? But we got to build towards it. I think our guys really responded well to that sort of terminology last year. Build our game, build our game so that we're good in March and we're very good in April and we're excellent in May, right? And then I think they really bought into it. This year, that's almost like, well, we're going to be that because we won last year. So that's the tough task right now. It's like it's not automatic. We're not automatically going to be that team because no two years are the same. So that's what we're going through now. And we've seen pockets where we get there. <clears throat> looks like we're going to get over the hump and we go backwards. So that's our that's our biggest challenge right now. And some of that, as I said, is when you – I don't hate to use injuries as anything other than we've got other players coming in. But when the players are a little bit inferior to the ones you're losing, you're gonna, your record's going to reflect that at some point. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that where I think our record could be better if we were healthier. But at the end of the day, um, we're healthy enough to me to be a – challenge for first place I still think it's within reach that's my goal and has been all along but we're gonna have to giddy up and get to our game here pretty quick if that's something we realistically expect to get to so um, we don't talk a lot Gary to the players about standings but we do talk about what's what, what can we win well we can win our division right we can win a ticket to the playoffs so we do talk about those yeah. things because our guys like to win and they're competitive so but they don't want to hear about well Vancouver has two less games and they got this schedule and their analytics say this and that they don't want to hear that they just you know, they do want to sort of push here, and that's where this part of the season, I think you have to push your team, and that's where it starts, you know, for us coming up. And came out of the break, and we started well, had a hiccup the other night, a game we, we feel we could have won if we played better. Winnable game, but it's gone now, so now we got to focus on the next one. Bruce, where does the thought of the amount of games you've played, condensed schedule earlier, and then knowing you've got 29 games to go, how to manage the rest for players that that uh, again as dave mentioned before you've not been in this exact situation before no i i honestly think we're we're past that now they got their break so they should have caught up a little bit of their rest this break this week honestly we we, we had three three plans in place for how we're going to use this two weeks ago it was going to be a mini training camp if we didn't if we didn't get going here we're going to go back to basics okay we got to get out of the gate again but we we fixed some of our games, so it's like okay, maybe we don't need to do that. We don't. We can take a day off in there, and then the illnesses come along. So which days? Then you're managing some injury guys coming back. So it it got to be a little chopped up this week. But hopefully, guys got some time away from the rink because now it's on, right? Like after when we start Saturday, there's not a lot of breaks uh, where you can take time away from the rink, right? You'll rest a little bit. So that's that's how we're planning it. As for Defending champs, I think that's all in the rearview mirror now when it comes to plotting your season and your rest. Like it, we're in the home stretch here. We got, we got to get going. We got to win our share of games if we expect to be good in the playoffs. That's the way I look at it. I don't think we can just flip on a switch in April first and say, "Okay, let's go," because um, we're going to have some guys coming in the lineup that haven't played in a long time. You know, I don't know exactly when those guys will return, but Theo's out, you know back in skating and he's missed three months, so he's not going to just come out there day one and look like. You know, the old Theo, it's going to take some time. And the other guys, when they get back, Jack and Will, and, you know, that it takes a little bit. When, so, again, it's, you know, it's, there's going to be some work involved there. We just recently, Bruce, went through a heck of a stretch here in Vegas with the Super Bowl here. And um, I'm curious, someone like – Tay-Tay. Tay-Tay was and, in town. And she was here, I heard. <laughs> Did that a was nice the job. rumor. Yep. Evidently. Uh, she dates a guy that plays for the Chiefs. So, you watch the game. When you watch a game like that, do you watch it as a fan, or does part of your coaching brain, having led a team to a championship, get involved and you know what it takes to get there? How do you watch it? No, I watch it as a fan, but okay. having won last year, I watched probably a little closer. Okay, crunch time. Now you're in the fourth quarter, and, and they got a score, and Mahomes, how, how does he operate, right? Like, and there's a reason why he he's a winner, right? He, he, he elevates his game at the most crucial moments, and – that seems to be the difference and and I think Brady did that for years and a lot of the good teams do that and I thought we did that last year so that's a, a bit of a, a, a something you keep an eye on okay guys we got to elevate 
Now that's one game, the Super Bowl, right? That's the difference between you know it's not a seven-game series or but. He did it against Buffalo, and he did it against Baltimore. So that this wasn't lucky, right? He went up basically on the road and won three games against three of the best teams in, in the NFL, or the Chiefs did, but I look at Mahomes because he's the guy that kind of calls the shots there. I found it interesting, the Andy Reid-Kels kind of confrontation on the sideline. <laughs> Some of that happens, right? And and these two guys are, are tight, and they've won together. So it just shows you the emotion that goes into, you know, certain moments of, of playoffs. And how both of them have come out and said, listen, it's, they probably don't even remember how it happened, to be honest with you. They're just in the heat of the moment of the battle, and, and no one's holding a grudge, I don't think. And I think it happens more than you think in, in a lot of sports. How often does it happen on your bench? Well, it happens predominantly with a guy like Marshy, right? He's probably the most emotionally charged guy in our on our bench. So there's times that w- we have to get a message to him, and he wants his <laughs> opportunity to, to, to play a little, whatever the case. It's usually about playing time. It always is with, with players. And puck management, for that matter, we talked about that. There's a guy, okay, your question is, who gets the rope to make plays and who doesn't? Well, Marsh has always been a guy that can come through for you in the crunch, all right? But what are we going to do on February 11th when we need him to make a play behind there? You know what I mean? That's where the coaching, the part, the relationship gets built and can get torn down or built up more if you handle it the right way. And and so that's the part of the, the game I actually was like, okay, let's see what happens from this because... You know, I am a coach, and you deal with, you know, emotional players. Did you watch the alt cast last night? No. What was that? So they had uh, the game was on TNT, so they had the regular crew, uh, the broadcasters doing the game, and then on one of their other channels, True, I think it's called, they had Biss and that. Spent Chicklets crew. Yeah. Oh, I read the story on that. Yeah, okay. they had them watching, right. and then they had, they had guests, and they didn't. Like, the play was on, and they weren't looking at the TV lots of times, and they'd turn and they'd look at it. and Just like, like the Mannings, like when they do their, right. their Manning cast, they did one of those last night. If you didn't watch it, it's a bad question. Sorry. No, I didn't. I was well, For which game was it? The Pittsburgh game. Florida-Pittsburgh. No. Yeah. Uh, that was the early one, right? Yeah. I was in the yeah. car. Henderson, Gary, yeah. you know, yeah. 5'10", cool. Yep. So yep. that's uh, you got to be on the road off. by 4. It's 45 minutes on the highway. Yeah. So do you normally watch mm. other hockey games with the sound on or the sound off? Uh, off. I would Probably encourage you to off. do that with our games. I, I thought that might be the Specifically answer, the Vegas Golden Knights. I would yeah. hit you all <laughs> the time. <laughs> yeah. What can I tell you? No, it's because the kids are asking questions and it like because they're home from school, and so a lot of times it's off. If I'm by myself, it's on. Do you find yourself doing the play-by-play for yourself? Uh, no. <laughs> Okay. No, but you so, know what? I, I did do. Uh, did I ever that. tell you the story of my last game, my first year I coached in Jacksonville? I did the play-by-play the last game of the year. I, you mentioned. I don't know if it was on the air, but I remember you mentioned. Yeah, I switched. That to me uh, once. I let the, our player assistant coach coach a game because we were um, we were out or or whatever our position was set, whatever it was. So I I'd, I'd done color before, so I went up and did it with our radio guy, and it was Joe Zidlow. And I yeah, said, yeah. would anybody care if I if I did the play-by-play? Always a big Danny Gallivan fan back in the day and Bob Cole. So he said, sure, go ahead. So I did it for a, half the game or a period, I forget. And how did you do? Well, I don't know, right? Like, But I don't know. I don't you, mind. Did it. you enjoy it? I like it. Oh, I good. like to call the game because I know the – The tape out there? You know, yeah, we like should it. find that That's tape. probably on yeah. tape. But it's that. it's only radio, right? This isn't TV, yeah, so yeah. there's no yeah, – no, But I'm sure I did one of those, and here comes gathering speed. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that Danny Galvin with Larry <laughs> Robinson yep, back in bet. the day. Yep. <laughs> so uh, you just mentioned – can do it, Bruce. Believe me when I tell you. You just mentioned that kids are asking questions. So, uh, what is what is what do they ask you, and what do they ask Julie? Well, it's homework. For yeah, me. I know that's what I mean. Yeah, so I do all the homework. Oh, really? They She's a Harvard grad. Yeah, but somehow I end up doing all the homework, here. right? So it's like, <laughs> what? Um, questions about can I go here? Can I go there? Those go to mom. Yeah, it's yeah. like just. But you can handle the Meadows math that they're. they're I can do the Meadows you. math. I can really? do the Meadows English, not Spanish. I can do French, but they're doing Spanish. Wow. Uh, history, uh, you know, I like, I'm yeah, kind of yeah. like to read, so I'll handle all that as best as I can. So, but I got to say, they're a little bit starting to get past asking dad and mom. They're kind of like they go upstairs and they get on the phone and talk to their buddies. Yeah. But more about scheduling. Can I do this? Can I do that? And uh, Shannon's now about to get her permit to drive, so she's trying to schedule oh, that no, stuff. No. And <laughs> what? what yeah. so I've what? been through. I've all taken her that. twice through the neighborhood, <laughs> and um, yeah, that's different, right? Because you're just. So I'll give you advice right now. I've gone through it three times. There, you hire a professional because you, there will be fights, especially with your daughter. <laughs> just, just pay the money, ten <laughs> visits. 
they come, they teach them the routes, they teach them everything they'll need to pass the test. It's worked every time. I wow. think I think I'll get to that phase, but right now her first couple times we've just gone yeah. through our, our neighborhood, so it's really not busy. Yeah. But she almost drove into a <laughs> drifted into a truck the other day that was parked because a car was coming the other way, right? So that was her first experience yeah. of a car coming. I said, Listen, you gotta trust that they're gonna stay on their side of the lane. It's just how driving works. And you gotta, you know, stay between the park and her and, and then keep your eyes peeled for when you're in a neighborhood, right? Dogs or kids could run out. Anyway, so she's listen, she's so far so good, but you're right. I have every intention of once it gets a little more serious, it's okay, let's go on to the yeah. you know, like I'll teach him how to hold a golf club and swing it, but now let you know, want to start hitting draws and fades, you gotta go to the, the, the pros, <laughs> right? <laughs> you mentioned you're a history buff, Bruce. What are you reading these days? I'm reading a John Irving book. It's very long. I don't know. Do you read John Irving at all? I don't. Um, he's kind of a political opinionated guy. He's getting older now. I think this might be his last book. A lot of his books revolve around wrestling. I think he was a big wrestling fan, probably wrestled. A lot to do with Austria and Germany for some reason. I don't know if his parents spent time over there. Um, and usually uh, topical subjects. Like he, uh, what was his, Cider House Rules, I think was probably his yeah, most famous one. It was yeah. turned into a uh, <laughs> World According to Garp. So yeah. there, there were some good yeah. movies. I've read the, the er, I read his earlier stuff, his more fictional stuff, but what, like The World According to Garp and uh, Cider House Rules. But what what's the book you're called? I think it's called The Last Chairlift. You know, yeah. it's on my iPad, so you yeah. never see the title. Yeah. So, uh, and it's, like skiing too, he's big into yeah. And it's, again, it's a story about, uh, a boy that never met meets his father and he's always talking there's you know there's all kinds of different sort of um what am i looking for T uh topics on sexuality and this and that and and he's always been one of those guys that's not afraid to, to bump up against that stuff and talk about whatever's current i think you know he even went to canada during the war and he was against you know, Vietnam. Yeah, he was probably yeah. a, with a draft dodger, maybe, or, or something to that effect, them, or yeah. whatever they were called. So Conscientious objection. Yeah, and he's pretty open about it. And I, I find his stuff interesting. It can get long-winded at times if that's not your thing, but A Prayer for Owen Meany was fantastic. Really good book. I read Fantastic. Well, yeah. They made a great movie. I forget what the movie was it called. Um, but anyway, that that's – and I just read The Killer – was it The Osage – the Killers of the... Uh, Flower yeah, Moon. Flower, Flower Moon, Moon, right? Yeah. So that that Shane. was a very good book. Um, Shane and I are wives, and Dave's our wives are in the same book club, so it's been on the... Uh, it's been in the house recently uh, uh, for all three well, of us. Well, I highly recommend it. It's, um, yeah, very informative. Uh, again, being a Canadian, uh, oblivious to some of the stuff that happened in the 50s and 20s and 30s in the U.S. and how the FBI started and all. Was, like I said, it was a good story, but also you, you learn a little. I, I guess I like to read books where I learn something when I put the book down. I like to be entertained, but uh, I like to learn something. Some guys do. Uh, sorry, Danny, go ahead. I, I was going to ask you, know, what is the benefit of reading? When do you find time to read? Well, some people would rather will watch movies. I'm more of the book guy than the movie. Um, so on the plane in the summer. Lots of free time on the beach in the summer. Uh, at night is a little a little easier here because the games, a lot of games are over at seven o'clock, right? So if there's no Western games and you're you're going to bed, you want to read for a bit. You can if you're not watching hockey. Whereas back east, it seemed like there was you know they wouldn't end till ten, and then it's you know time to go to bed. So yeah, yeah. Some people have a uh, they'll read a fiction book, uh, first fiction book, and then the next book is like. Uh, a business book or uh, or a history or coaching book or for me like yeah I agree I usually had a pattern where it's, I want to be entertained so I'm going to read yeah, a book yeah. that I can get through and then it's like maybe a history something I'm going to yeah. learn and then it'd be okay um, Pat Riley put out a book so or Bill got, Belichick you have, a, you have a three style cycle well maybe four or five whatever then it, yeah. but I didn't always want to crank I, I would never read six sports books in a row because yeah. I you know sort of forget that so I like to mix it up. Um, favorite author maybe would be one eventually like when a Dennis Lehane I don't know if you ever yeah, he's a Mr. Massachusetts Grimmer, all those but those are easy books, reads yeah. right they're, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're fiction good stories um, and you can get through them fairly quickly yeah. um, so that you know he's usually in the mix if he comes out with one you know I was talking with Daniil Miramanov about some of the books that he's read and he has a success checklist from some of the different sports psychology books mindset type books do you find that any of those things that you pick up you express to your players or to your fellow coaches? 
Good question. Uh, some of it I do. I used to read a lot more of them. Now, now that you have more life experiences, you can draw on some of that more than a book. Like I would never take a page out of a book, highlight it, and then go repeat it. Like that's someone else's phrase yeah, or that's yeah. someone else's way of doing things. But what can I take from that, the messaging in that maybe? And it's like, okay, how does that apply to Bruce Cassidy's style of coaching? Yeah. And uh, so that's what I would take from, from those. You uh, A couple of shows we were talking about, Bruce. So have you heard about this new 10-part uh, series on the Patriots called The Dynasty? Oh boy. Coming out on uh, Apple TV. But it's like all, all behind the scenes, the whole thing for 20 years. I think it comes out tomorrow. I'll, I'll text you a reminder to yourself. Dave, right? Dave, Dave texts himself, so he, he, he can text you as well. Put and you in a group chat. Put, put us all on it. Yeah, I will. Just a group yeah. text. It's just, I, I'm, I'm going to defend Dave on this yeah. one. It's just a modern way of taking notes. No, I work with him. I put in uh, reminders for myself in my phone. Yeah, yep. so. There's an app for that, but you can text yourself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then the other one we were talking is uh, on Netflix, right? The, uh, the, the Greatest Night at Pop. The Making of the We Are the World. Song and I was scrolling through that uh, over the break, really good. looking for a movie, Julie and I, and, and I did stop on. I thought it might be interesting, but we ended up watching. Uh, I think it was Oppenheimer. Yeah, Talk two nights per- took me two nights because yeah, that's a, long, that's a, that's a three-hour job. But again, some history there. Obviously, yeah. that's what. It, yeah, all great of it, actor. Yes, he, he, he blinders. So okay, there you go. I'm looking yeah. for. I have I haven't caught up in the sixth season, so I got to okay. get I got to get that done. Uh, but I got to do that in my own time because Julie didn't watch the first five, so I need that. <laughs> and yeah. I'm not sure she'd want to just pick up and she wouldn't get the – because yeah. it's fairly violent, right? Yeah. And there's some story there, but I got to finish that. But he, he is great. Cillian, yeah. is that how you say it? Murphy? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he does a good job. Did you see the U2 show at the Sphere? I saw it uh, in December. Yeah, what'd you think? Uh, loved it. I've been a U2 fan forever. Uh, more Pearl Jam now, but still always followed them. Saw them in – when I was playing hockey in Switzerland, I drove two hours to Basel, Switzerland. That was the big, I think a Zuropa tour with the big McDonald's. Remember they had that big yep. thing on the stage? Yeah. Played with Lou Reed. Um, Shane, you saw him in Europe too, didn't you? I saw him in France, yeah, Paris. Yeah. It was a good show. But anyway, back to the Sphere, great venue. Yeah, like the awesome. way they... Sound was incredible. To me. try to describe it to people, like I send them some videos on the background, right? And it's like, you just got to go. You got to see yeah. it. Uh, I thought it was a great show. I thought the edge was on top of his game. First star. Um, Bono was great. The new drummer did a good job. Yeah. Um, That's another all. great documentary, too. It's called uh, A Sort of Homecoming. David Letterman goes over to Dublin last year and sat down with Bono on the edge and talked about their whole career. It was it kind of as a precursor to this Sphere show. They did a private show, a little bit of like a jazz piece to it. It was phenomenal. So add that to your list if you could. I will. I, I great. I thought that kind of busy with coaching. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, come on. Long list. This I got, week I got stuff to do. Um, <laughs> I th- didn't love the sh- uh, uh, set list as much as maybe, I but I think that. with a band like you too, like everybody's going to walk out of there with a different opinion, yep, right? Like yeah. your favorite might be more recent versus. I like some of their original stuff more, like from Boy and I like what is Boy it, War. and War. So yeah. and they and they only played a couple, I think, and one was an acoustic. Um, Maybe Sunday, Bloody Sunday was acoustic, and I they want the, I want the drums, right, and, and the whole. But anyway, um, still enough good songs in it, right, that you, you, you're not going to leave disappointed. It's just there's so many to pick from. I kind of felt the same. Like There's certain artists that probably have earned the right to play yeah. whatever they want. Otherwise, they'd be up there a week. I saw they David played. Bowie one time, yeah. and he played, uh, it was the Glass Spider Tour, and the album sucked. And he played the whole album, and then he's like, well, I guess I can't get away with playing one of the old ones. And he played uh, Rebel Rebel. It was the only one he played. I was like, you know, I, I, I want my, it was 19 bucks. <laughs> that tells you how long <laughs> you ago it was. You want 17.50 back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll yeah. pay a buck 50 for three, Rebel three, Rebel. But. Three of us are excited to see Springsteen. One of us is not. What about you? Uh, it's March, right? Yeah. March 22nd. Yeah. Friday. I'm uh, in the middle, so I guess I'm in the middle. Mm-hmm. I saw Springsteen once in D.C. I, I saw him once. Good okay. show. That's enough. Um, I would go again, but if I miss it, I'm not. Uh, the Stones in May, that's the one we. Oh, yeah. That's the one I'd be more excited about. I think it's uh, Billy Joel and Sting in November mm-hmm. at Allegiant. Billy Joel's new song, played it at the Grammys, played it at MSG. Thumbs up from Dan. So Cole and Shannon jump in the car with you. You're driving to practice. Well, who's in charge of the tunes? 
Well, I am because they're on their iPhone the whole way. No kidding, eh? <laughs> so that's yeah. easy now. Uh, easy. My my daughter wants to sit up front and wants to. She wants to. Okay. She's a little young. Well, she's the same age as Cole, I think. So she still wants to yak, and uh, but she's. I want to play something, and she's like, uh, "Did you say radio?" It's funny. There's kids. I'm mine drive now. Every time I get in my vehicle, it's on aux because they plug their phones in for their music. Yeah, and I'll hit my country station, and next thing my eardrums are blown out because <laughs> they don't turn down the volume. <laughs> but yeah, they don't listen to the radio. It's all no. And I what I do have is a like a playlist that I seem to play a lot in my phone that's translated to the car. Yeah. So as soon as I get in, so that's when Shannon will speak up every once in a while. Put Taylor Swift's. Because I have a, like a, uh, she's one of the artists of the bunch yep. of songs. So she likes that. That takes us to Henderson. I don't mind. I, like I said, I like Taylor Swift. I'm yep. proud to say it. Not not at all. She's done okay for herself. Yeah, she's done well. <laughs> so run, so. Uh, not every song, but I, I like her music for I the like most part. Too. I like the way she's managed her career. And Best thing that happened was whoever the guy was that right, sold all the her, her original stuff, right? Then she re-recorded. Scooter Braun? Everything. Yeah. Yeah, and it. She was doing okay before that, but what a... Taylor's right, version, what a, right? What That's what she called it. Talented. Yeah. What a move. Over. Isn't there another one coming out soon, or is it already there? Another one dropped, uh, one of those remakes? or I think she announced that she's got a new record coming, right? So a new Grammys, record, yeah. but not a not one of the older ones redoing it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How about that, eh? Walking up and grabbing a Grammy and saying... By the way, I got another one. I guess that's like you standing up on the on the stage <laughs> saying, "Let's do it again." Why not? Yeah, let's yeah. do it again. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of those Kansas City Chiefs were already talking about a three P. Good for them. Yeah. They got the uh, team to still do it, right? I'm not uh, as dialed into the football team who's a free agent, who's not, but I think they're returning key pieces. They're still young. They got Mahomes. They got the quarterback. They got him. He's- you're, the Red Blacks just signed a good quarterback, Bruce. Oh, yeah? Oh, yes. oh, oh. Yeah, I'm surprised my nephew hasn't texted oh. me. Or, who is it? Drew Brown. Drew Brown. He was with right. the Blue Bombers. He was their number two. Okay, oh, wow. so, that, so Ottawa could be it, celebrating next year. Still kicking it over the guy's shed for the roof. <laughs> Bruce and I are CFL Listen, fans. I so. used to scramble for those. They'd kick the extra point or a field goal and into the stands in the, uh, I think it was the West end zone and you'd pay three bucks or two bucks to go and you'd fight for the football so i'm 12 or 13 so i got the crap kicked out of me by the 16 and 17 year old so i never got a ball i had to pay for it after and buy Lands, it from lands down my park. own neighbor grabbing it from me kind of shoving me away but it was a j5v which yep. is a cfl ball and you That's had to right. have one of those but, so i uh saved up i had a paper route for a long time and i'd buy it instead of getting the freebie from uh the Ottawa Citizen, or what was the... Uh, it was the uh, journal. The journal, first. yeah. And one day I'd go to deliver the journal, and they just stopped. Yep. Like, they stopped. It Famous. wasn't like they give you... In a month, we're stopping the paper. It's yeah. like that day, you're not... There's no papers here. Why? Because we've ceased operations. There so were two rich families in Canada that owned newspapers, and they want, they both owned one in Ottawa and one in Winnipeg. So they got together one day and said, okay, you can have Ottawa, and we'll take Winnipeg. So they, they shut, shut down... One paper in Ottawa and shut down one paper in Winnipeg. So, like it was a, then they so they it was totally illegal. It was a monopoly. So they had it's called the Kent Commission. Too much Canadian history for oh, you, man. but that's wow. like your logo. See, that's a book I could route. read if that was worked into the sort of the storyline of whatever else yeah. was going yeah. on. Because mm-hmm. I ended up getting uh, the paper out right away for the Citizen, which yeah. took over Ottawa. So there was happened to be a, a girl was giving it up, and it was. I, I delivered to two senior citizens' uh, homes, and there were five floors, so it was a piece of cake. You bombed through that. You know, when you're a kid, you're doing the streets right on your bike, and it takes yeah. forever. Up and down five floors, do the other building done. And it was easy to collect, How right? Back then, you had to collect. You had to knock on the door and collect. Well, they're senior citizens. They're not going yeah. anywhere, so it was easy to, you know, you never had to chase them down. <laughs> Perfect so, for Halloween. I had, <laughs> I, had 40, I had 47 papers on my route. Oh, the, I would have had 50 in each building. Oh, so that, It was a moneymaker uh, for that's me. That's good money. It was just it was six blocks away, so I had to ride my bike there. That was the toughest part of it. And But once I was there, it was a piece of cake. So how long it, then you were done for the – that was it? Done for the day? Well, it, it, it was the uh, – Journal was a, switched to a morning, I think, for a while. So, But mine was always after school. So, yeah, I'd go up after school. Uh, did it for a while. I, I didn't come from much. So yeah. if I wanted to buy a bike or a, I got my usual stuff for Christmas, but after that I was on my own. So uh, it was a way to make – and I thought it was easy money. Did you have the punch for yeah, collecting? For, the, for collecting, yeah. yeah. The, you yeah. flip the card yeah. and you rip the yeah. stub off and yeah. you give it to them. And a so no- seventy. so you always had to have 30 cents change because – <laughs> Some people were the great tippers, right? They give you the two bucks. It's a yeah, 30 cents. Yeah. Some gave you the nickel. 
Yeah. Most just wanted their. I can remember like most wanted their change. <laughs> and I can remember at Christmas. Keep the change. I, like I was, you'd go to the door and you'd do your collecting and, you, same thing. It was a buck seventy or whatever. And at Christmas, you'd expect that blue five dollar bill to come out and there'd be no change. But uh, there was some, some cheap ones. That's the Canadian. Five for everybody. The yeah, blue the, the ten right. is just Most so you know out there. That hear this, it's the, colored money in Canada. Yeah, the ten is uh, purple. The uh, dollar bill was bl- uh, was uh, green, green, like your yeah, typical green. American dollar. You had the uh, kind of orangey too, right? Or uh, what yeah, two dollar bill, kind of yeah. reddish two, orange. Reddish orange. Yeah. The twenty. I don't see a lot of twenties in the day. What was green. Green. Yeah, Red was go. fifty. Fifty and a brownie for the hundo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> in America, we just make it easy, make it all. Work. It's not easy though. When you're loaded at the bar, you can just look at the colors. You know what you have to do. <laughs> That's the reason, right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Talk about a nostalgia podcast. <laughs> Newspaper, radio, and counting your change. Just Venmo. There was a lot of older fellows in Canada yeah. that liked their pops, yeah. so they needed colored money. Dan, give them a break. Sure. Hard-working guys. Sure. Bruce, thanks for this, and uh, I'm sure this is a great way for you to spend your time between games. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy it. Thanks for thanks, having Bruce. me. Thanks, very much. thanks Bruce. Appreciate it. That was Bruce Cassidy on Thursday in Studio 31. Next up, a reaction to Bruce's comments and a look ahead at the playoff push for the VGK including potential moves ahead of the NHL's trade deadline on March 8th. Let's go back to Dave. Great to have Bruce Cassidy with us on SLG and D. His team is, um, you know, you look at it right now, guys, they're at this hour, 10 behind Vancouver in the Pacific. They are five up on Edmonton. Neither of those teams have done a lot of losing lately. So how do you look at where they're at right now, Shane, inside now the final 29 games to go? Well, it's crucial, right? Uh, this is this is the final stretch to playoffs. This is a team that's competitive, wants to win the Golden Knights, and I think their their game. It, it's kind of. I I don't think there's been a lot of consistency yet to the way they need to play to their game, as Bruce Cassidy calls it. Have they gotten to their game for long enough periods for a long enough stretch? I don't think so. I think they've gotten by at certain times. They've, you know, up and down. There's some key injuries, but, you know, hopefully, you know, Shea Theodore back on the ice. I don't think it's immediate, but in the foreseeable future. Um, but he's going to need some time to get back. So it, it's the group they have. I think they have a good, you know, the good enough group right now, but it's about playing their style. When you think of the Golden Knights, you guys, we've watched them long enough. We know what their game looks like. The fans know what it looks like when they're at the top. It starts in the defensive zone, uh, the way they they defend. And, and when I talk about the way they defend, I think it starts in the neutral zone through to their own end and playing the right way. So um, this is uh, this is very important. To, I think this time to rest to get their game back now. But once you, you come out of it, uh, starting here on Saturday, it's go time. I have a question for you. March 8th is the trade deadline. You're in that room right now. Are you looking around knowing that Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee and Bill Foley, they, they want to win the Stanley Cup this year? Yep. Are you comfortable or are you looking around thinking, we're right? Like, they, they probably have to look in the mirror and evaluate are we good enough to win the Stanley Cup as we are? Because if we're not, if they believe that they're, maybe they're not, they have to be prepared for, for change. So I'll go back and I'll tell you, guys who've been around the league, and, and these guys know, so you're in that room. There, there's two trains of thought. There is, they're a close group, right? If they're not successful to then, they know change has come. Yep. And then the other thing is you want to win again, so, that's, so there's two forms of motivation. One, you want to keep your group together. You know, if you don't play well, there's going to be change, and it's usually not for the better. Whereas if you play well, you keep this group, you know you're going to be adding, hopefully, give the, you know, the GMs, give the organization uh, a reason for them to add to an already good club. Um, and, you know, then that's the trick of them not messing up the chemistry. you got to make the right moves where you don't mess up that chemistry. I think as a, as a group, they, they believe they have all they need in there because they did it last year with the majority of this group. I I really, truly believe that. But they also – there's an understanding as guys who've been around that, all right, we've got to get this together or else they're going to figure it out for us. Let's figure it out ourselves. And they're confident and believe they have the team that it takes. Well, now let's show it. Yeah, it's interesting. Like what you just said about the chemistry. So Barbashev, Bluger, and Quick – if I'm correct, if yeah. I'm not, you know what I mean? So quick becomes 
you know, a home run in the sense that uh, the guys loved him. He had yeah. experience. And you talk to Paul Cotter, who didn't get to play in the playoffs. He said, you know, Jonathan led us. He yeah. kept us together and kept us positive and kept us happy. Barbashev is a home run. Had a, yeah. You know, and – and Bluger had a big role to play in the series against Edmonton when they they threw him in there. So it is uh, 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 Kelly McCrimmon doesn't uh, share his thoughts with anyone. Uh, I will be fascinated to see so, yeah, what so happens that, around here. So that's the reward right there, right? So if they yeah. play well, they understand you're adding more, adding without subtracting mm-hmm. much. You look at it objectively. What do they need? If they're going to add, well, they need to get healthy, right? Yeah. That, that's the problem, right? You'd love yeah. to see them healthy so you can evaluate it all. Yeah. Um, it, so that that's going to play a factor too. They're gonna they're gonna have to look at where their health is that time. Um, you know, is there guys that maybe are going to be out till playoffs? Do you okay now? You've got to add then because they want to come in strong. And that was you know that was part of it last year. They had the flexibility with Mark Stone, knowing right. you wouldn't have him or would they get him back in playoffs? So that allows them to make more moves. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that. That's why uh, we get to just talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. This is heavier on uh, Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee. Yeah, you but. think about the boost that um, for just a generic team gets from acquiring a player at a deadline. All right, we got a new guy for the Golden Knights. That has been the track record. They have added at the deadline, but you're thinking about the injured players, Shea Theodore, Jack Eichel, are the two biggest impact players. It's almost like making a trade to yeah. get two big-time players, of, you know, puck-moving <laughs> defensemen with a lot of offensive and a top-line center. Yeah. You know, we don't know exactly when they'll return, but it, you, you get some kind of a boost with those guys returning. Not to mention some of the others who have been well, out, like yeah, Carrier and I was Ben Hutton say, you can't and so on. Will right, exactly. And his importance yeah, and yeah. It's it's a, it's a bunch of guys, and obviously there's only 18 skaters that are going to be in a lineup on a given night. I'll answer the question. Yeah, they need to add everywhere. They they need they haven't been healthy at goalie. They need insurance there. The blue line hasn't been, and maybe Shea comes back, and all of a sudden it's better. But I don't think it's just, I don't. It's not operating at the same efficiency as it was last year. And I think they there's. I look at if you know when they're healthy, they still think that they're they're a score score late. So I would I would say you need you need a little bit in all three areas. And I don't want to forget Pavel Dorofiev because yeah. he's only 23. Yeah. He yeah. was the guy who sat a lot, has been unavailable since the hit from Truba back in the New York Rangers mm-hmm. game in New York. And again, that's just one player we don't want to leave out. The trouble has been that there has been a long list. It's shorter than it was a few weeks ago, yeah. but it's still you're looking at these guys coming back and you can't play all of them every game. Dave always wants to add well, I just think, yeah, I think for this group, and to Gary's point, if I was going to prioritize it, I think they need someone to help score up front. Yeah. You know, I, I, they've tried a whole different, a lot of different combinations, um, but I think they need to add a, you know, and they're not alone. They need to add somebody that can score. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, co- I'm comfortable yeah. with their back end. If they, if they get yeah, healthy. I think they've Hutton, got a lot of defensemen. Caden Korzak, who's back down, he what he's shown. Mm-hmm. They haven't I, been healthy, so it's unfair yeah. for me. Perhaps, but I look at it and I wonder. So. And the goaltending thing makes sense. Not that that makes yeah. sense. I mean, Just given yeah. what they needed last year, yeah. all the yeah. goaltenders, it was this five. time of year. Right. Yeah, I mean, four wins in a row with yeah. four different goalies. Yeah. Not that you need to do that every year. It never happened before, but you just never know how things are going to unfold. But that's the area where, okay, th- there's only two goaltenders on a roster as opposed to, let's say, 12, 13 forwards, mm-hmm. 7, 8 defensemen. That's, you know, you just – wonder what's going to happen in that department given that Aiden Hill has missed significant time this year, missed significant time last year. It's just one of those things that you, you can't help but ignore. And, and that's why it's important coming out of here. There, there's some guys that are valuable to this team and have showed the way they can play that have another gear. Yep. There, yep. there are some key guys yep. that can play better. So the, We're in the room. There is no worry or panic in there. No. Like they, I think that they, you know, I've heard the phrase "we'll be okay" a number of times, and maybe, and maybe they know best. Maybe that's like you know we've been banged up, but when we get it all back together, we're going to be able to get going. And they have not played. It's really simple, right? Like they have not been as clean in the neutral zone and with their puck decisions as they were in the playoffs. They got to that place where, like, you could count in a series how many times they turned it over in the neutral zone. Yeah, That's not the way it is right now. Right now it's every night there's a bunch of that. Bruce Cassidy earlier in the podcast talked about 
that switch, and it's not as simple as just turning it on, turning it off. You know that this team can step up because they have in big games. Look at that Edmonton game right out of the break. That was just a terrific game, felt like a playoff game. But then against Minnesota, that was a winnable game. It was there for the taking, and Bruce Cassidy talked about it in the interview a little bit. So you don't want to get into that spot where you can just say, okay, that wasn't a good game. We'll flip it on for the next one. That doesn't always work. He doesn't, he doesn't think they're just going to be fine. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's yeah, there you go. That's, that's his job to worry about it, yeah. right? Exactly yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You mentioned Truba. Who did? You did. I think you I met, mentioned the, him. The when Dorf, he, uh, oh, sorry. When okay. he hit uh, Yeah, Dorf but I want to, okay. Yeah. When they play them next year, does he have to pay for that? Does he have to answer for that? The hit on Dorfiev? Oh, you're going to put me in this whole conversation with oh, the, the Riley and Greg and everything going on around the league? Yeah, you're the other one that played. I I would think so, but who's going to, you know, that that's yeah. on them. Yeah. I, I would, if you know, going back to when I played, and, and, and it's tough because the game has evolved. Yeah. The players have certainly evolved. John Tortorella had some great comments late. Was that today or yesterday? Called it a dumb league. <laughs> well, he, and, and I only meant in that, and he just sent, it, it's a different mentality for these young guys yeah. coming. That that where I came in, and I've talked about before, about earning respect. Yeah. I, I was scared to go in the training room. Like, I didn't go for a massage for two years to, back to, you know, the team uh, massage because, you know, you had to earn your right yeah. to um, go back there, and it was kind of, you earned that respect from the veterans. You earned your way to being a pro. And, and it's, it's different. It's, and it's not only in hockey. It's different society right now mm-hmm. about the youth and they want to come out and all of a sudden so um should he be i would say yes it's just like uh you know morgan riley was it a bad yeah. but again it's it, it's a mentality why would you go in a crowd our time you just your gloves would be off yeah, yeah and you'd yeah. go in yeah well i felt, I, felt sorry go no, ahead i was just gonna say i thought two things 15 years ago just to yeah. pick a time frame a greg would not have done that no, or if he did, he knew that he was he would have been turned around yeah. ready for the answer. Yeah. Right. B, there would have been a price to pay. Yes. And that's what And I didn't have a problem with any of it. Like, right. he's showing a little bit of – like Matthew Barnaby in the day would do something like that, but yeah. he would expect, turn around, and be ready. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I felt bad for Morgan Rad. I really like him. It's not He's not that guy. And yeah. if he was that guy, he would have known. I can't cross-check him because if I do, I might get suspended. I'm going to punch him in the face. And if he hadn't done that, we wouldn't be talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, times have changed. Times have changed. The game's changed. Evidently, and, yeah. Springsteen's still coming here. Yes, times haven't changed that much. Yeah. See you at the show. Shane, we'll oh, see you oh, there. Yeah. By the way, we're talking about movies. Have you guys seen The Iron Claw? I watched it last no. night. No. About no. Von Eric. No. Oh, but Baron von Eric, yeah. yeah. This is really interesting. I know the whole story. I, I, you do know the whole story. Oh, yeah. the, well. Rick Flair one, has a... The, the, one kid still alive. Yes, it's crazy. So... Um, well, you don't give it away to the people well, who haven't people, seen Yeah, it. I'm going to watch it now. So thanks it's to Shane. about the famous wrestling family. Yes. Yeah. Terry Von Erich was the was the guy with the great hair. and yeah. uh, They're from Texas, aren't they? Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, the dad was the original... Fritz. The Iron yeah. Claw. Yeah. And then he was a little bit hard. But anyways, it, it, it's, it's a great show. It what, really so, it's a quick funny aside, when I was... You know, it seems like when you're a kid, you kind of watch wrestling. Yeah. At least I did. So in Rhode Island, they had the WWF at the time was on Saturday mornings at 11. And another channel, Channel 25, had world-class championship wrestling, which was the Von Erichs Mm -hmm. and the Freebirds. I always watched that instead of the WWF. Oh, I was the other way around. I thought they were so far ahead of their time. Music entries going to the ring, great camera angles. We had the AWA. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, which is out of Minnesota, the uh, the Vern Gagne circuit. So it it was that stuff was great. So I remember vividly when David Von Erich died. Really? So in Japan, yeah. So this movie came out fairly recent. What's it on now? What did you? Uh, it's on now. It's still just just uh, out. Okay. Yeah. So I was telling my wife this. I said we have to watch this movie. She has zero interest in it. My wife watched it last but night with me. She liked it. So. I proceeded to tell her basically the whole story. Well, this guy dies. This, blah, 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 blah. We had no idea about right? the whole story. And she says to me, you can't remember a damn thing I tell you, but you can tell me how <laughs> you, you And died. that is your talent. You, you are, for any sports history, oh, you, yeah. you can recall. So, so I said, 
I remember the important things. And that didn't go over well. That was was the coach. That was great. (laughs) You are. What a moron. Dave is uh, smart with history, common sense, and fail. Yeah, just uh, out to lunch (laughs) on the common sense. Jeez, obviously. That's why you guys are such a good pair. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Anyways. So that'll do it. We'll end it on the Von Erich's note. And uh, watch that. Shane says it's good. He he gives it a five-star review. All right. And we thank Bruce Cassidy for joining us as well. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on SLGND. Before we leave you today on SLGND, we acknowledge a major milestone for Knights defenseman Alex Petrangelo, who played his 1,000th NHL game on Monday against the Minnesota Wild. While Alex's humility shines through in his own response to the achievement, those around him were quick to celebrate the milestone for the two-time Stanley Cup champion. Here's Alex Petrangelo, along with Bruce Cassidy, Chandler Stevenson, and Alec Martinez on the 1,000 game mark for the Knights Blue Liner. It's a good opportunity to kind of take a step back. And, you know, we get caught up in our job too, right? And, our, and like I said, so um, see the pictures of, you know, my family and my kids with the Stanley Cup and everything that's happened in my career. And then looking back at my draft year pictures, all that stuff, it's just, it's pretty crazy how fast time goes. What comes to mind when you see those draft day pictures and those early headshots? Well, I looked a lot fresher before I had four kids. <laughs> Love my kids to death, but you know, uh, you know, it's like I said, time goes by fast. And I, I had some of my old teammates here that were there when I first started, and um, you know, you don't get to this spot without a lot of good people on the way. And, and I've said, I love what I do. Um, but I love the people and you meet a lot of really good people along the way. And uh, I don't think you play long in this career without those friendships. I know it's tough to talk about yourselves. You guys don't like to do that. You like to talk about the team, but can you describe what the 1000 game milestone means to a hockey player? Like if you look back at when yeah. you were young and what that thousand game milestone meant. I think obviously the big one is um, winning the Stanley Cup, right? That's a big milestone that you, you want to achieve that. But I think um, when you get further in your career, there's not many individual milestones that you really get to. And this is obviously a big one. And I get, keep getting reminded not that many people have done it in the history of the NHL. So um, I think I'm really trying to enjoy it for what it is. And, uh, like I said, I don't think I get to where I am without one, my wife and my kids, right? They kind of keep me going, my, all the teammates and, and everybody that I've crossed paths with throughout the years. Today is Alex Petrangelo's 1,000th NHL regular season game. If someone were to meet you, ask you about Alex Petrangelo, didn't know anything about him, what would you tell that person about Alex? Complete hockey player, true professional, great teammate. Um, That's what he is. And he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion because of that. Uh, He had obviously huge input in in both cups, the one he won in St. Louis and obviously the one here. So... Uh, can't say enough good things about Petro. He's great for the room. Uh, great practice player, too. He, he drives up the intensity level of it. Um, so we're, we're, we're fortunate to have him. Let's talk about what's happening today. A milestone for one of your teammates, Alex Petrangelo. 1,000 games. What do you think that number means in this sport? There aren't that many players who've reached 1,000 games played. Yeah, I think that's... A goal in itself for a lot of guys um, to play a thousand games. Um, you know, I know just kind of seeing him today just feels a little bit more uh, giddy almost, you could say. Because, um, yeah, it is, you know, so special to, you know, get the presentation before the game with your family there. And, um, you know, they've been through it for forever so um for your whole journey so i think that that's you know special for them as well and to have them there and um yeah i i I think that obviously for myself too um you know it's now a goal of mine um you know at at, at first you just want to play in the nhl and you know you want to play in the playoffs and you want to win a stanley cup and that and but i think uh you know, that would be something that's really special as well as to play a thousand games because, yeah, like you said, there's only a select few that have done it. And um, I just think that that would be, you know, something that would be so special. What qualities of Alex Petrangelo do you think rub off on his teammates? Uh, I think just his energy. Um, you know, he's so easygoing. Um, every day he's at the rink, he's having fun. Um, he, he, he just... I think loves being around the guys and um, being a hockey player and what, you know, all comes with that. So, um, yeah, he's been, you know, outstanding since he got here. And 
um you know you can see why he's played a thousand games and i think he can play you know another few more what comes to mind when you think of players who reach the 1000 game mark in their career as we look ahead to monday for alex petrangelo a lot of different things um obviously talent um dedication durability um playing the game the right way uh, i can basically just describe petro um, you know, there's obviously much more than that, but I mean, it's uh, it's a really incredible accomplishment. I mean, there's so many things that go into it. Obviously, um, you have the things behind the scenes and, and family support, and um, you know, we everyone who knows Petro knows that he has that. You know, in spades, and you know the stuff that he does off the ice to take care of himself, and the things that he does to to stay healthy, or you know, at least. You know, obviously no one's never going to get hurt unless you're Phil Kessel, but um, uh, to help like mitigate that risk. Um, and then on the ice stuff, I mean, I say it time and time again, I mean, the guy's an absolute horse. He's a, he's a number one D-man for a reason. Um, he's competitive in all areas of the rink. I mean, how sometimes I sit there just as his partner on the ice with him and thinking like how the hell did he just win that battle but he does you know he's a, he's a competitor he's, he's he's committed to all areas of the ice he's obviously gifted offensively um and the you know defensive part of it you know, you know obviously speaks for itself you mentioned him being a horse the kind of minutes that he plays how much more impressive does that make this kind of milestone well yeah i mean it's just a, he plays all situations i mean um you know obviously you can argue that penalty kill is maybe physically more taxing than, than power play would be. But, I mean, he's still out there. He's getting up and down the ice. He's making the breakouts all the time. I mean, the guy, we call him Iron Lung. Like, I, I think I've legitimately heard him say, I'm tired, like, once, maybe. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and then on top of, you know, special teams, he, he plays against the top lines, and, and he, he has pretty much his entire career. So, yeah, that's a really good point by you. It's not it's not just a lot of minutes, it's it's hard minutes too. That was some of the reaction around the room for Alex Petrangelo's 1000th NHL game. For more on game 1000 for Alex, check out this week's episode of VGK Today. And for full interviews, highlights, and more podcasts, visit soundcloud.com/vegasgoldenknights and follow at VGK Radio Network on X, formerly known as Twitter. We'll see you next time on SLGND, presented by Allegiant.